Slendy, ego, Slendy, hey, hit it up the park, hit it with a strike, from the national anthem to the bottom of the night. I'm in Slendy, ego, Slendy, ego, Slendy, ego, Slendy, hey, you already know what's up. What's that? Another home run. But you know the job ain't done till we hold that trophy up. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 439 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. It is August 7th, 2023, and the San Diego Padres just choked a series split to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Instead, they end up losing three out of four when they could have taken three out of four. They could have split this series even. If you're okay with them losing today, should have won on Friday. Or if you're okay with them losing Friday, should have won today at a 5 nothing lead. And Seth Lugo gives up eight runs in one inning. And the Padres, they end up getting blown out. They allow 13 runs in this game. So, yeah, I, I gave my thoughts on the first two games of the series already in the last show. So if you want my more of my full thoughts on those first two games, you can go listen or watch back to episode, I believe, 438 to get my thoughts on that and Musgrove being shut down for three weeks. Uh, so this show today... Just want to kind of more focus on the last two games of this Padre Dodgers series, Sunday Night Baseball, and then today, uh, the series finale, uh, talk about the Padres season ticket prices increasing for 2024. I know a lot of fans are not happy about that. And then we'll talk about, obviously, some of the Sunday Night Baseball comments from Eduardo Perez and the whole thing that happened with Carl Ravage. Uh, I guess Lugo was tipping his pitches today. So there's a lot to talk about here. If you want to make sure that I get to your comment or your question, you can use that super chat button there. It supports the channel. So I appreciate anyone that wants to do that is generous enough to do that. And if you want to join the show and give your comments, give your questions that you have to me here live on the show, you can click that link that's pinned up at the top of the chat. It's just not me talking at you. It's I want this to be talking with Padres fans. So that's why every show or every live show that I do, I like to have that link up there pinned up at the top of the chat for the live YouTube audience for anyone that wants to join the show to give that platform. Uh, just a reminder, you can use that code on SeatGeek. Talking Friars is the code $20 off there. Click the link in the description for great San Diego sports swag, Padres, Aztecs, Wave, BreakingT.com. Click that link there. All right, so today obviously uh, sucked. Padres 13-7 to was the final score. And as I said on my post-game reaction, when I was sitting out in the left field stands when that game was over, um, we should not be blaming the offense for today, for sure. They scored seven runs. Luis Camposano hit two bombs. I'm glad that he had a good game. Uh, Fernando had a double. Um, and... You know, they had a five nothing lead here. Like things looked good. There were there was the long ball with Campy having the home run, made it two nothing. Tatis had a double, so hitting the ball well, you know, taking the extra base. And then there was just good situational baseball, sack fly for Manny. So things were looking good. And you thought, okay, Padres, they're gonna go split this series. And I would have been okay with the Padres splitting this series. Obviously, you wanted them to take three out of four, especially because of Friday night. Robert Suarez on the mound. You have a lead. Should have won that game, and the bullpen collapses there. But I would have taken two out of four 
in this series because they didn't, that, that means that they walk away from these four games and they didn't get worse, right? With in terms of games under 500, didn't get worse. And you don't have a crappy feeling inside of you if you split with the Dodgers. The Dodgers are a good team, and usually the Dodgers beat the Padres a lot in the regular season. So I was not going to be pissed off at that. But I think it's okay for Padres fans to be pissed off at this. I mean, again, you had a 5 nothing lead in this game, and you lose. And you had a lead in Friday night, and the players there just didn't do their job. Just like Seth Lugo, at the end of the day, didn't do his job today when he gave, gave up eight freaking runs in one inning. So yeah, pretty embarrassing. The, the These couple losses here, well, th- those two losses. And then yesterday, I mean, Rich Hill, I mean, yeah, he's going to compete out there, but he, he gives up a fly ball to right and it goes out. It was like one of three ballparks in Major League Baseball that would have been a home run in. So that was a little unlucky. There was the blocking the plate thing that maybe he should have been out at the plate and the inning would have ended after I think Mookie got out. Three runs ended up scoring after that on the Freddie Freeman home run. And that was, I think, a 10-pitch at-bat. So there was just a lot of pitches that the Dodgers made Rich Hill throw there, and that knocked him out pretty early. And that game was over once Rich Hill, you know, obviously exited there. It was, I think, 6 nothing at one point. So, yeah, disappoint. all three were disappointing losses, obviously. You know, just getting behind from the get-go in uh, Sunday's loss and should have won game one and the final game of this series. And yeah, I mean, Seth Lugo, so Seth Lugo, I was, my, my ride home was interesting, uh, had the trolley and I guess the trolley stopped working or there was a blockage on the trolley tracks cause there was an accident. So hopefully any, if anyone was involved in that, hopefully you're okay there, but it was just obviously frustrating because it took much longer to get home than, uh, I was anticipating. Um, and that obviously came after the Padres choked the series split. Um, and I was on the way home and I saw on social media here, 97.3, the fan posted this. Where is it? I'm trying to find it now. They posted the video of Seth Lugo. I guess he was admitting that he was tipping his pitches and he essentially was saying like how locked in he gets trying to execute pitches that sometimes he forgets the other things like mechanics and not tipping pitches. Um, Let me try to find it here. Hold on one second. Here is the audio. Um, Well, uh, you know, uh, I made some mistakes, I think. Uh, Some balls over the the plate and some bad counts. Did you feel like they... And of course it's now not working. Now it's not going to load. Okay. So I guess we're not going to hear Seth Lugo because the internet doesn't want to work, but uh, yeah, pretty much just again, like I mentioned, like, yeah, he, he, Kevin AC asked about kind of tipping and Seth, I guess he went back, looked at video from that fourth, I think it was the fourth inning where the Dodgers scored those eight runs. Yeah, fourth inning. He looked back and definitely saw something. I'll probably, I was at the game, so obviously I didn't see it. I'll probably look back at the video in a little bit uh, after the show or maybe sometime tomorrow and see if I can see anything there. Um, Because to me, sitting in left field, obviously I was, you know, 
hundreds of feet away. It just looked like he was leaving balls over the middle of the plate and hanging some breaking balls and the fastball to Mookie that looked right down the middle that he hit for the grand slam. So I don't know how much of it was tipping or how much it was just missing his spot. And it was just a meatball and major league hitters, especially Dodgers hitters are going to capitalize on that. It was just not a good outing from Seth Lugo, but I, I don't think, at least I'm not in the spot where I'm going to bash Seth Lugo a ton other than just saying like, yeah, obviously he didn't do his job today. Like he knows that, but I'm not going to go crap on the guy because it's not like he's been doing this every start out where he is not given the Padres a chance to go win that game or he's gotten a big lead and choked it. Right. I mean, you look at the game logs. I know he was on the injury list for a little bit, but his last outing, he went seven innings, gave up just two runs. The outing before that, seven innings, two earned runs. The outing before that, six innings, two earned runs. So, like, those are quality starts right there. He's doing his job for the most part. Uh, but today, obviously, was a bad time to have a eight-run inning allowed. And that's really the bottom line there. So, yeah, I mean, it after that fourth inning, Obviously, the game felt like it was over, at least to me. I mean, once Mookie hits a grand slam, all the Dodger fans are loud and chanting, let's go Dodgers, and mocking Padres fans by chanting, beat LA. Um, just so freaking annoying. Anyway, um, yeah, I thought the game was over there, and it was. You know, Dodgers added on some. You know, Campy hit another home run, and Padres scored. Uh, they scored two runs, one in the sixth, one in the ninth after that big fourth inning. Um, I mean, Dodgers added on five runs in the sixth inning after the eight-run fourth inning, so that just made it worse. But, yeah, just beyond the Mookie, or before the Mookie Grand Slam, just balls, bullets down the line. There was one that dropped in in front of Grish in center. Bogey was trying to run out, go get it, dropped in. So a little bit unlucky there. And that was kind of how Rich Hill's start went a little bit yesterday. there were some balls that weren't hit very hard or weren't expected to be home runs or weren't expected to be hits, uh, but they ended up being hits. You know, things went the Dodgers way. Uh, a call went the Dodgers way um, and things kind of spiraled out of control there. So yeah, just overall, I mean, just a unacceptable series loss. You know, they, they again, like I said earlier, could have won three out of four. They end up not winning three out of four. They end up not even splitting the series. They end up losing three out of four. And as I said, in my post game reaction, they can't do this very much the rest of the year. I know that they're not in a terrible spot. You know, if, if you look at the wild card standings, I'll pull them up right now. Entering today, I believe the Padres were three games back. I know the D backs, they've lost six games in a row. Some teams are spiraling out of control. Uh, maybe they find their form again, but like the reds three and seven in their last 10 Miami three and seven in their last 10 Arizona two and eight in their last 10. So that's the good news is like, even though they lose three out of four in this series, it doesn't seem like they're going to be a long way out of a playoff spot. Even if the Cubs win tonight, if the Reds win today, um, it's not the end of the world. But I mean, we could, but what, what if the Padres miss the postseason by a game or a couple games? We could look back at a couple of these games in this Dodgers series and be like, we could have beat the Dodgers. We could have won that series and made the postseason. Or you can add this series onto some other games, like games against Kansas City and against Pittsburgh 
and against Cincinnati. You know, those are some some games that just pop into my head from this season where it's like in San Francisco, where it's like should have won those games. If they would have won those games, they probably would have made the postseason. So hopefully that, you know, we do, we can just look at those games and at the end of this season and be like, oh, thank goodness that those didn't cost us and the team plays well and other teams end up not playing well and the Padres can make the postseason. But right now, I mean, Padres, they're not in the postseason. They're, they've got four teams in front of them to be in the postseason. So right now, I'm – I think Padre fans are kicking themselves or Padres players. Probably some of them are kicking themselves looking back at some of the results that have happened so far this season. Like, Dan should have won that game. Should have won that game. Should have won that game. You know, this series should have won Friday, should have won today. And it didn't happen. So again, I'll, I'll maybe I'll look back and see the whole Lugo stuff. Was he tipping pitches? How was he tipping pitches? Uh, if he was, I mean, I guess it makes it more acceptable, but it doesn't, you know, make me feel better. Like again, the, the result is the result, right? That's what makes Padre fans feel better is winning ball games, and they didn't do enough of that in this four game set. So sucks. Check out Gaglione Bros famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website gaglionebros.com for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. I did want to touch on Sunday night. Touched on today a little bit. I want to touch on yesterday. Obviously, we touched on Rich Hill, and you know some, some of it was unlucky, and some of it, it's like, well, the Dodgers, Freddie Freeman is one of the best hitters in baseball, right? Guys that remind you of Tony Gwynn, it's probably Freddie Freeman, it's probably Luis Arise, guys that are from the left-hand side, and they just have good at-bats. They know what the heck they're doing up there at the plate. They have a plan, and most of the time they execute it. And you might make a good pitch, and they're going to beat you. Or when you make a good pitch, they're going to foul it off, and they're going to wait until you make a mistake. And that Freddie Freeman home run, it was maybe a mistake pitch, but it's I mean, it's, it's 70 miles per hour, so that's nothing to Freddie. Even if that was a good pitch for Rich Hill, if he thinks it is, I don't think he does. He was very accountable after the game, by the way. Um, but even if he did think some of those pitches were good pitches, like it's 70 miles per hour, that's nothing. You know, that's, that's just like the coach throwing batting practice before the game, you know, from like 20 feet away. Right. Like that's nothing. So yeah, Rich Hill, he relies a lot on the pitch location. And so it has to be better now who should start going forward. Should it be Rich Hill or should it be Pedro Avila? Because Pedro Avila, he made a really good relief appearance yesterday out of the bullpen, saved the bullpen four and two thirds innings on 90 pitches, one earned run, one earned run only. Uh, he threw four shutout innings. And then in that fifth inning of work, um, he ended up giving up that home run to Mookie five. hits allowed seven punch outs. So yeah, I saw a lot of Padres fans be like, well, Pedro should have just started the game. And maybe that's what will end up happening uh, the next time around or at some point later this season. But I think the Padres are going to give Rich Hill a little bit more of a leash. Like, he is a long-time Major League pitcher. He knows what he's doing. He obviously was pissed off after yesterday's start. So I don't think the Padres are going to pull the plug on Rich Hill starting games one start in when they acquired him before the trade deadline because they wanted him to start some games for the Padres. Uh, but if he continues pitching like this, then he might be someone that will just walk up to Bob Melvin and Ruben Nieblin and be like, 
you know, if, if you want Pedro Avila to start games, I totally understand because my crap ain't cutting it right now. I mean, he was super accountable. I'll, I'll try to pull this up, see if my internet's going to work. Um, I tried, I, uh, I, I clipped this yesterday. This was from Rich Hill after the game. And didn't throw the ball well. So put us in a hole. Um, and, you know, it was uh, just overall poor performance. That's it. I mean, there's nothing else to sugarcoat or anything like that. It was it was crap. So um, <laughs> get back to work tomorrow and get ready for the next one. Too many there you go. So that was Via Maria Caswell. She does great stuff for San Diego Sports 760 and on her YouTube channel, putting that out there uh, so that fans can see what it's like, you know, visually inside that clubhouse when players are addressing the media and not just audio, because you can see some expressions sometimes, and that can uh, make all the difference sometimes in our inter interpretations of what people say. But yeah, Rich Hill is just accountable, and he was like, yeah, just <laughs> not good enough. So yeah, I don't think Pedro Avila is going to start the next time around. I think they're going to give Rich Hill a little bit of a leash. But you don't want this to continue, obviously. If he gives up five runs continuously, I mean, that's not putting your offense in a, a spot to succeed, right? That's putting a lot of pressure on the offense. And can the Padres afford to lose every time Rich Hill takes the mound? Probably not. Because are the Padres going to win every time Darvish takes the mound or every time Snell takes the mound, every time Lugo takes the mound? Probably not. Every time Waka takes the mound when he comes back. By the way, he threw in El Paso two innings the other day, so he might make another rehab outing or maybe they'll just throw him in there and have Avila come in after Waka at some point. We'll see what the, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, the, the Padres, it can't be lost day. You know how it was wind day with Musgrove on the mound for the most part? It's been wind day for the most part with Snell on the mound these last couple months. It can't be lost day with Richo on the mound. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see if he performs better. And if he does, then I think he'll probably keep getting starts with the Padres. But yeah, frustrating. Um, I did want to hit on Lance Lynn yesterday. Obviously, when a player comes over to the Dodgers, they usually perform better. I saw. Was it Jerry Harrison Jr.? Um, he put out a tweet today. He works, I think, for the Dodgers TV network. And it was pretty much saying that all of the Dodgers acquisitions at the trade deadline, they performed really good since being acquired. So it's something there with the Dodgers. They acquire you because they see something, they see potential that is untapped. And that's what they got with Lance Lynn. They acquire him. He had a bad ERA with the White Sox. And the White Sox, by the way. I don't know if anyone's seeing what's happening over there. That is a S show. Anyway, Lance Lynn comes over the Dodgers. They probably fix some things or say, Hey, let's ditch this. Or maybe let's throw the fastball less. Let's throw uh, the breaking ball a little bit more. And that's what I saw yesterday in that start. I mean, he comes into that outing with the highest ERA among qualified starting pitching. And he ends up going six innings and gives up only one run. And it's like, of course, because he's facing the Padres. You got to expect that. I didn't know that stat going in, but if I did, I probably would have said on my pregame thoughts, yeah, he's probably going to dominate the Padres today because that's just what happens for the most part, right? So, um, yeah, I, I saw a lot more breaking balls from Lancelin. I saw him working around the zone, not just attacking guys with the fastball, which when I think of Lancelin, at least before this start, that's what I thought of Lancelin. Like, he's one of those guys where he's not afraid to attack you. And if he gives up home runs, he does. But he's not He's not going to 
go around the zone. He's just going to attack and he's going to believe in his stuff and just going to get you out. It felt a little bit of a change in approach for Lance Lynn. Maybe that's why the Padres didn't do so well, but again, it's not, I'm not going to use that as an excuse for the Padres and give them a pass on that. Like they should have known that it's not like this was Lance Lynn's first start with the Dodgers. He did make a start before this. So you did have a little bit there um, on him with the Dodgers and maybe what he was going to do. Some guys did have at bats against him in the past. So yeah, they, they just had to do better. And obviously they didn't. And the ESPN Sunday night baseball broadcast. Now I did want to hit on that because Carl Ravage and Eduardo Perez had some interesting moments there. David Cohn, he didn't really stand out to me. And that's a good thing because Carl Ravage, when Fernando Tatis Jr. yesterday was being interviewed in-game, you have Fernando in-game on a mic, and you decide to ask about Anchorman. Has Fernando Tatis Jr. seen Anchorman? Which, by the way, I have not seen Anchorman. Um, that movie came out when I was one, and Anchorman came out when Fernando Tatis Jr. was five years old. But Carl Ravage still decided to ask Fernando on national television if you've seen Anchorman. And Tatis was like, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen it. Yeah, 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 for sure. Just to, you know, have Carl Ravage move on. It was a really weird moment here. So here is that audio. Have you seen the movie Anchorman? Say that again? Have you seen the movie Anchorman? Uh, uh, no, 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 that's a Ron Burgundy. It's based on San Diego. And based on San Diego. organizations within San Diego. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Move on, please. <laughs> I mean, come on, guys. It, it, was Carl Rat? Was he the one that thought of that, or was it the Sunday Night Baseball crew that was like the producers, like, hey, hey, this is this will be a good one. Ask if he's seen Anchorman before. It's like Sunday Night Baseball wasn't that something that fans loved, you know, like a decade ago, maybe. Like they they looked forward to that. I think now fan bases are like, oh, we're on Sunday night baseball now. And for us, it's not like we have Bob Brenly doing our games, right? We have Don and Mud, so and we have Jesse and Tony on the radio. So we have tremendous broadcasters. So obviously a Sunday night baseball broadcast is going to be a step down, but some of the stuff, I mean, Eduardo Perez doesn't think Fernando is playing with the same confidence that he used to, talking about how, oh, well, he got the money that big contract because he was a shortstop, not a right fielder. They took the tools, the the toys away from him leading off and playing shortstop. So he's not playing with the same confidence. And it's like, have you not seen him play right field? Some of the plays that he has made, have you not seen him uh, have an all-star worthy performance, which I think he still should have been an all-star over some other guys. And he wasn't named it, but are you just looking in? You're just looking in at Tatis's numbers over the last like 10 games, maybe, and you're seeing that he's not doing well. So you're going to say, he's not playing with the same confidence. Just throwing narratives out there again, like earlier in the year, Eduardo Perez about Fernando, and he apologized. I'll give him credit for that, but still something he shouldn't have said. And he should have realized what he was doing when Mookie hits that home run off of Josh Hader. That's what a superstar looks like, Nando. It's like, why? Why are you? putting it on Nando. Why are you mentioning Nando there? Just say that's what a superstar looks like. This here. Why why say this about Fernando 
Like you had the chance to talk to him. He was mic'd up. You had a chance to talk to him earlier in the game. And you don't say anything then. This is this is the audio from Eduardo Perez here on Sunday Night Baseball yesterday. Same amount of confidence. Has some of the swag been knocked off a little bit? Do you think he's playing with that same level of brashness, confidence? No, I don't think he is. The answer, right? Answer, right? That's what he's supposed to say. But look, it took a lot away from him. Playing shortstop, you're in the play, you're the captain of that infield. That's an elite position. He was an elite player with serious numbers as a shortstop. And we signed that major deal. So he's not an elite player anymore. When he signed that deal, he was a shortstop, not a right fielder. What what is that supposed to mean? Now he's had to learn a new position. Not only that, he's also not leading off. He's hitting second. Big deal. Those two toys, shortstop and leadoff, have been taken away from him. Maybe because they have Fernando hitting second because Hassan Kim is hitting leadoff. He's hitting like over 300 since the All-Star break. Maybe because he deserves to be hitting leadoff and he is like the spark plug for the Padres. And they, how about have two spark plugs at the top instead of having one and having Tatis lead off and have Kim hit like seventh, right? It's like in order, these national broadcasters, obviously they're just diving in here for a game. Maybe they should do a little more research or talk to the players. Maybe ask Tatis, hey, are you, are you playing with the same confidence? I know they did I, They did during the interview, but I'm talking about like maybe not on camera. So he maybe gives you probably a better response um, or just, you know, don't say that on television because you know that the public, Padre fans, they're going to take that and you know, obviously be pissed off at you because it's like, well, maybe because he's slumping. Maybe that's why he doesn't look so as confident as maybe you think that he should. Maybe he's not having the best game. I don't know. Maybe, maybe because the Padres are losing, he doesn't look that energetic or I don't know. I, I The Sunday Night Baseball broadcast, it's, it's not a must-watch anymore it, it's it's really not and it's obviously unfortunate to to see you know sunday night baseball that's supposed to be where even the, all the casual fans or maybe fans from other sports they're like well sunday night no nfl no other really big sports on let's go turn this game on and i, I think you should be hyping up fernando not trying to tear him down sometimes and that's what it feels like is happening a little bit on these national broadcasts uh, maybe you don't ride the Dodgers so much. Um, there were just some things where it's like, do we really care about the Dodgers ping pong game that they had, that they were showing? Just like, do fans really care? Do national fans really care about a Padres ping pong game? If they had one, like we don't care. It's just, it's, it's weird. Donna mutter the best for sure. Okay. I also wanted to hit on the season ticket prices increasing. Uh, I know that there are fans that are 
not happy about that either. So let's get to that. Let me try to find this because I saw this email last night and it got a, a lot of really a lot of reaction, excuse me, on social media. Give me a moment here, just trying to find it. Here it is. So Eric Gruppner sent this. Excited for what's to come next season is what the subject is. And it starts off talking about how 2023 Padres season has provided exciting and memorable moments with the prop with the promise of more to come. Your passionate and loyal support has resulted in record setting season ticket membership and attendance while making Petco Park an electric environment for our players and fans. Thank you. And then goes on, talks about the players that are here long term, advancing to the NLCS, blah, blah, blah. And then says the excitement surrounding this team's this year's team and our future has resulted in unprecedented growth in the number of season ticket members for the first time in Padres history. We capped season ticket memberships for the 2023 season, started a membership waitlist, which has grown significantly over the course of this season. We will continue to cap season ticket memberships for the 2024 season and expect that the waitlist will continue to grow. There has never been a greater demand for Padres season tickets and your status as a season ticket member is coveted by many. So kind of telling Padre fans, hey, you better keep your season tickets or else, you know, there's going to be a long wait list that you're going to have to go back and join if you lose them. Uh, we have continued to increase payroll and make some significant investments to improve your experience at America's number one ballpark as a result of our continued investment and the unprecedented demand for Padres tickets. All members will see a moderate price increase for the 2024 season. You will also continue to receive overall savings on your tickets, up to 30% off single game ticket prices by being a member. You'll receive further info regarding your 2024 membership renewal tomorrow from our membership services team. So I think some members got that here on Monday because this email again was sent from Eric Gruppner to season ticket holders on Sunday, and it was sent after the Padres just got embarrassed on Sunday Night Baseball. And then the next day, they choke a five-run lead, and they're like, the Padres are like, yeah, we're going to uh, increase ticket prices for season ticket holders. Yeah, for another year again. I think this is the third consecutive year that they're doing this. Yeah, we're going to increase those prices again. And I get why they're doing it. It's a business. And they have a high payroll. They just brought in Xander Bogarts. They gave contracts to Jake Cronenworth and the extension to you, Darvish, right? And if they want to keep Juan Soto or bring in big free agents, right, they're, they're going to have to make money. And they've lost money from Bally Sports, Diamond Sports, the, the parent group for Bally, not continuing to broadcast games, millions of dollars that they lost. I understand that. But I get it would make more sense for the Padres to increase prices if they were winning ball games. But they're under 500. They're not in a postseason spot. At the time of this email, they're not in a postseason spot. And you're saying, yeah, we're going to increase prices for you. You're selling out games. You're coming to all the games. You're supporting. It's already a lot of money for you to come to games. It's already a lot of money for you to spend money buying food and buying parking for games. Yeah, we're going to increase the prices for you to watch a team that's not in postseason positioning. And is the payroll going to be this high next year? If it is or if it's going to be higher than it is this year, that's also more understandable because that's more money you need to pay for 
the the players, right? Pay for the roster. But if the payroll is going to lower, which I expect it to, because there's expiring contracts, and does Peter Scyther want to continue spending this much money if this is what's going to happen, right? So I don't think the payroll is going to be this high again. I don't think it's going to be higher than what it is this year. So why increase the season ticket prices? You know, I don't get it. Well, I, I do get it. I do get it. In fairness to people at the Padres, like if, if you're listening or watching this, you work for the Padres, you make some of these decisions or you know people that make these decisions. I don't want to make it like a personal attack on people with the Padres. Like I understand they're trying to find ways to make money because it is a business. It's not just entertainment only. Um, it You are trying to make money. But I think they got to realize, I mean, have some awareness here. I don't think you should be raising prices if the team's not meeting expectations. Right? And I, I love Peter Seidler spending money and investing in the team and all that. But you got record season ticket sales. I think you you should be doing pretty fine. And you should lock in a TV deal in the offseason. So hopefully you'll be able to get some of the money back. And you didn't lose as much money as you probably thought you were going to lose because Major League Baseball stepped in and I think helped paid for some of that money that Diamond Sports isn't going to give the Padres for the rest of their TV contract or maybe the rest of this season. So maybe the Padres do lose money this year. And I get it. Again, it's a business. They're looking for ways to profit. But... I definitely understand Padre fans that are pissed off about this because of the team's performance. I think fans would be okay. I mean, you don't want to see increase obviously in ticket prices, but I think they'd be more understanding if the team was sitting where the Dodgers are, you know, first place in the division meeting expectations, or at least if they were in a postseason spot, but that's not where they're at right now. And you lose three out of four to the Dodgers and there's an email in the series saying, yeah, prices are increasing. It's like, come on, read the room a little bit, you know? All right. That those are my thoughts on that. I'm sure there's probably some Padre fans in here that have some thoughts on that. I'll get to the chat. Uh, and any super chats. If anyone wants to join the show, you can click that link that's pinned up at the top of the chat to give your thoughts on anything. Be back after this break. I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's Underdog Fantasy. They have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments. In pick'up games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross-team, cross-league, and even cross-sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season-long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes, 
Or if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy to use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code TALKINGFRIERS and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. All right, let's get to the chat here. Obviously, I'm behind on the chat, haven't looked at the chat yet, but I'll try to get to as many as I can here. And by the way, tomorrow I should have another show coming out in the morning, a conversation with Darnay Tripp. Does a great job with NBC7 San Diego. Okay, let's look at the chat here. SDSU Man One says, that was rough, but the pod season ain't over yet. They can still make the playoffs. Yes, they can still make the playoffs, but uh, obviously Padre fans are going to be pissed off at what happened in this series because those were a couple games that could end up costing the Padres later down the road. And just in the moment, it's just embarrassing to choke leads, two leads, to the Dodgers and have Dodger fans come into Petco Park and act like it's Dodger Stadium and dance all over the place. And uh, it just sucks to be in that environment in the moment. What's up, Raul? Says they should have won today, too, but Padres team, they have no J-Ram in them. <laughs> what, so you want someone to slide into second and then go deck out Mookie Betts or something if he's playing second base? You want him to go deck out the Dodgers shortstop? You want Manny to slide into second and go punch someone? That's not going to happen. And I don't know if Jose Ramirez should have done that. Uh, but I mean, Tim Anderson welcomed it. He, he's the one that wanted to fight. So he, he, he got it. He got the smoke as the cool kids would say. Uh, Mike says Padres pitching staff carry this offense the entire first half. It's asking too much from this offense to do more. I mean, come on. They, they, they scored seven runs today. So yeah, I think it's a little too much to ask for them to score more runs. I mean, Seth Lugo gave up eight runs in one inning today. The blame should be on the pitching today, for sure. The, the blame should be on the pitching um, on Friday, I think. You know, they, they had a lead there with Robert Suarez on the mound and couldn't get the job done. Yeah, Matt, I agree. The fastball to Mookie was 94 miles per hour right down the middle. He didn't need to be tip. Lugo didn't need to be tipping his pitches for Mookie to hit that out. You know, some of the pitches, it was just poor placement for sure. And Scott Barlow had a good first outing, but he has struggled since then. So we'll see if Ruben can help get him back on track. Yeah, tomorrow. Jay Fly says, looking forward, who do we have lined up for tomorrow to start? Well, I don't think it's too bright there. We got two games against the Seattle Mariners, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then an off day Thursday before a series against the Arizona Diamondbacks, who are now just one game over 500. They've lost six games in a row. So that's the good news. Uh, 
but the Padres still sit behind them as of now. Um, but Tuesday, the Padres, they have you Darvish scheduled to pitch, but I thought that they were leaving that day open for Musgrove, but obviously he's not going to pitch because he's on the shelf. So is it actually going to be? No, no, no. Sorry. Wednesday's Darvish. MLB.com for some reason had Darvish first pitching on Tuesday. Then it, I reloaded it. Now they have Nick Martinez pitching on Tuesday. So tomorrow, 640, Nick Martinez against Logan Gilbert. Logan Gilbert's nasty, so that'll be tough. And then Darvish on Wednesday. That's also at 640. So Nick, should we expect four innings out of him? Should we expect working into the fifth maybe? Because they're, I think they're stretching him out. They want to give him that opportunity to start some games here um, and see if Rich Hill's the better guy. Is it Nick Martinez who should go? Once Waka comes back, that's what I'm saying. Uh, or do they go Nick Martinez and piggyback him with Waka? Piggyback him with Rich Hill? Pedro Avila, where does he slot into things? So this is a big outing for Nick tomorrow. Uh, and then Darvish, obviously, that feels like a pretty, uh, if not a must-win game, that feels a, a game that they definitely should win. Um, there's a guy named Wu who they're facing. Brian Wu, never heard of this guy. That's on Wednesday. So maybe they can't beat Lo Logan Gilbert, but if they can come out with the split here, even though the Mariners, I mean, they sold at the deadline, so they probably should win both of these games especially after a disappointing Dodger series here. But if they can split these games and then make some ground up, you know, take that D-back series, I think we'll be feeling pretty good about where we stand. Um, just going through the chat here. Jay Fly says that ESPN broadcast was terrible. Mike, ESPN has been terrible for a long time. That's why their ratings have plummeted. I haven't even looked at the ratings. It's but if if it has, I'm not surprised. What was the best ESPN Sunday night baseball crew? I mean, I like Matt Vaskersian on it better than Carl Rabbage. I know that some people thought Vaskersian got too excited for some plays, but I liked him on there. I'm not a fan of A-Rod, so, you know, having Vaskersian and someone else on there, I think it was it was Vaskersian, A-Rod, and Mendoza, right? They were a, a trio at one point. I'm not a fan of A-Rod on anything that he does, um, any baseball analysis that he does. Um, but I, I liked Vaskersian there. And if I had to pick someone to have him be the, the partner for, I would be fine with having David Cohn be Vaskersian's partner. Um, I'd be fine with Michael just bring over the Yankees crew, have Michael K be the play-by-play -play and have uh, David Cohn be the analyst and just have a two-man booth like that uh, instead of three, just two-man booth and you know, Buster only down there as a sideline reporter. I don't, I don't think that's the end of the world. I'm not a big fan of Eduardo Perez and I'm not the biggest fan of Carl Ravage either. So I know Vaskirjan, he's not with ESPN anymore. He's, you know, I think he's doing some Angels games, but he's mainly with MLB Network. Um, and A-Rod, obviously, he, I think he exclusively is now with Fox. But again, I'm not a big fan of his. But yeah, it's 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 kind of gone in the tank, huh? Uh, 
Matt says, Sunday Night Baseball was only popular because you couldn't see those teams years ago. Now you can access anything, anytime, anywhere. No one under 15, 115? I think what he means is no one under 15 sits down to watch that. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think some baseball fans still watch it just because some maybe don't have the MLB TV package to watch any game whenever they want. But th that is true, Matt. Yeah, I think that's definitely a, a factor. Like, if you're a fan of any team, you can watch every game if you want to. You're not looking for the one game that you have a week. Uh, my parents used to talk about how, yeah, there'd be like one or two, maybe three games a week on television that we would get to see. And so they got excited for those games because it's like, okay, we got this game on. Oh, we get to see the Cubs today face off against team X, you know? Um, so yeah, there was a reason to be excited for it, but yeah, I agree Matt. Now that everything is accessible, the Sunday night baseball, it's like, why even have it? I know you're showcasing the game, but maybe do a little bit better of a job at that then. Mike says, what are the chances of winning four in a row with Musgrove probably out for the season? How about no chance? I wouldn't give no chance, but a very small chance for sure, because it means that the bullpen can't blow games. Starting pitching probably has to be solid for those four games. So one time through the rotation, essentially, which they can do. But the, but more importantly, the offense has to come through in four games in a row. And can they do that? Right. The, that's a legitimate question. So I agree about the low chance. I wouldn't say no chance, but a low chance for sure. Uh, I see here, Raul says, ESPN is desperate for attention. They love to deride the Dodgers and the Yankees. I can agree, you know, big markets, obviously they're going to want to talk about those teams, but I don't think they're desperate for attention with baseball. Like, I don't think ESPN really cares about baseball. Look at their shows. Right, They have one game a week that they do, and I think that's mainly because of tradition and so that they can have that they can broadcast one of the wild card series or have a couple wild card series that they can have on their air for some postseason ratings there. But they don't really care about baseball. You know, Sports Center, they'll mention baseball and show highlights, but the talk shows, first take doesn't talk about baseball, or they, they talk about baseball when it's Shohei Otani or when Mad Dog Russo is on there with Stephen A and they get him riled up talking about, guess who? The Yankees or the Dodgers or another big team or whenever a big baseball topic comes up, they'll have Mad Dog go on in there, go on there and talk about it, you know? Um, but Stephen A, he can say, oh, he's a Yankees fan and all that, but he doesn't really care about talking about baseball on first take. He's going to talk about the NFL and talk about the NBA. That's what they talk about, right? During the NBA season, it's NBA TV is ESPN. During the NFL season, it's pretty much another NFL network. You know, they they don't, the big networks, FS1, those talk shows, they don't care about baseball. They don't talk about baseball. Partly because it's a regional game, but they just don't, they don't care. And that's okay. But it's the channels that they pretend to think that they know what they're talking about about it. I'm not saying the specific ESPN broadcasters that do the games, they don't know what they're, they don't know baseball. Like, yes, they do know baseball. Like, of course they follow it probably night in, night out. You know, Carl Ravage has been doing it for decades. David Cohn obviously played. Eduardo Perez played. Like, they know what they're, like, they follow baseball. It's not like they're throwing Stephen A into the broadcast booth. But I'm talking about just 
overall, you can see what matters to the networks, right? Look at the talk shows during the week. What subjects are they talking about? You know that's what they really care about, right? What are the biggest ratings from? It's from the NFL. It's from NBA. It's it's not it's not Major League Baseball. And again, that's okay. But I don't think to, again going back to your point, Raul. I don't think their ESPN's desperate for baseball attention. I don't think they truly care about it. And that's okay. I don't watch ESPN. I don't go to ESPN for baseball, right? I only go there because the game's on that channel whenever it is. I don't go to FS1 or whatever for baseball, right? I go to. I only go to those channels when the game is only on that channel, and that's the only option I have. I go to MLB Network if I want to hear people talk about baseball. Or I listen to local sports talk radio if I want to hear people in San Diego talk about the Padres, right? Like, Or I go to other podcasts or other sports radio stations around the country that actually have a pulse on you know, what's happening with a certain team. That's okay. I know I got away from the Padres there, but I just wanted to – I had some thoughts on that note there. Uh, just continuing to go through the chat here. What happened here? The darkness says Hog showed your post game reaction. Tell him to plug your channel at least if he's using your content. <laughs> what? <laughs> he pulled it up on his show? That's funny. Whatever. I'm. If you want to hear me talk, you can come to my channel, whatever. Whenever I post stuff on social media, I try to credit people because that's the right thing to do. Um, continuing to go through the chat here. Carlos asks, have you ever been to Dodger Stadium? No, of course. No. Why would I go to Dodger Stadium? I have no desire to go to Dodger Stadium. Yes, I agree, JD's third. We need series wins and sweeps. Yes, we do. Yeah, keep winning series, and I think the fan base will be happy. But when you choke a couple games and you choke away the possibility of splitting the series here, the fan base isn't going to be happy, and you got to expect that. All right, I think that's going to do it. Talking Friars episode 439, a little bit Padres-Dodgers reaction. A shorter show because I didn't go through the entire series because I already did the first two games in the last show. So, again, you can go check that one out. Uh, Hopefully another show coming out tomorrow morning, conversation with Darnay Tripp. That's going to do it. Thank you so much for the support, everybody. Talking Friars episode 439. You can catch this on the podcast platforms. Podcast listeners, you can catch us on the YouTube channel. Just look up Talking Friars. Hit that subscribe button, please. Turn on the notification so you don't miss when I go live, so you can be a part of these live shows, and you won't miss any videos when they come out. So thank you so much. Have a great rest of your night, everyone.